Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Hammerlock Hangover. This is episode 54. This is a very special edition of uh, the Hammerlock Hangover. I am uh, recording from Col- Colombia, and Jeff is in uh, uh, parts unknown uh, in near Baltimore. But uh, yeah, welcome to uh, this special episode. Uh, we, we apologize in advance for any audio difficulty or any background noise that you might hear. Um, it is what it is. We just wanted to get this episode out. Um, Steve is but, intercontinental planetary. There you go. That's why I am the intercontinental champion. Jeff, how are you Feliz, doing this week? I'm good. Feliz cumpleaños, Esteban. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's very exciting. We were able to have a big old party here. Very, very festive. Very warm welcome. Uh, Let the cocaine uh, flow. <laughs> we won't speak of that. Guys, we've got a big episode here to talk, but not that much time to talk about. We're going to try to see if we can condense it a a little bit in uh, a shortened uh, episode. We've got things to do. There's Um, no way I'm letting that happen. (laughs) Try as you might, Jeff. I'm gonna. We're gonna try try our best to cut this down below two and a half hours, which is usually our average time. It'll be twenty minutes. So that there you go. We've got AW uh, discrepancies to talk about. Jeff is arguing with me. He he says that they're not discrepancies. They're more major issues. I definitely have a rant in me about AW cultural yeah, you're, you're appropriation. Not using that word correctly. You were definitely not using the word discrepancies correct. No, I, I I'm I'm heated with them. It's, it's a you very have issues, you have issues with them. You have problems I, with them. I do. I have issues. I have. I'm possibly boycotting them because of cultural appropriation. We'll get no, into no. that. Um, our usual um, AEW results, but you know, obviously there was a lot of banter between Rampage, SmackDown going over 30 minutes, Rampage uh, putting on a, a buy-in with Brian versus uh, Danielson versus Suzuki. We've got our thoughts on that. We've got thoughts on Tony Khan's rants. We get into that, plus uh, uh, NXT Halloween Havoc predictions. And crown jewel reaction. So let's just jump into it. Let's just jump right into AEW. Let's start with this this whole like bickering back and forth because I guess it was just kind of totally built up to what ended up being Saturday or last Saturday, and it was just this back and forth because of the ratings that you know WWE pushed SmackDown back to ten thirty. Then uh, Tony Khan uh, said. You guys are coming after me, so I'm going to come after you. I'm going to put on Brian versus Suzuki on a YouTube. Um, and so this back and forth just egged on AEW fans. It drives me nuts to see so much anger and, and, and just just the vitriol is just too much at times. I, and so, I, I love every second of it. See, I... I Part of me, the troll in me likes it, but then it gets to a point where it's just not funny anymore. It's not entertaining. You're 263 and two-thirds percent troll. Without the a doubt. Don't Jeff, lie. But the numbers don't lie, but I just it just got to be too much for me last week where I had to just like log off of social media for a while. And so here we have a, an angle where Andrade is essentially hiring FTR to do his dirty work, but not only that, FTR has to come in as two masked wrestlers, Mexican masked wrestlers. Like, 
what the fuck, Jeff? What the fuck? How much cultural appropriation needs to happen? Fucking cultural appropriation. Oh, my little snowflake. Come on. This was this was this was funny and stupid. But two things. One, I mean, okay. First of all, he hired MJF to get FTR, but last night FTR showed up on their own accord, so that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I guess the feud pivoted. Um, let's look at the positive of this for one. Um, FTR seems to be separating from the Pinnacle a bit, and the Lucha Brothers seem to be separating from Pac a bit because they established Pac is going to be in this other side feud. Uh, it's not clear that Andrade and F and the Lucha Brothers are going to be involved with each other. So that's the positive. The other positive for me is absolute chaos. I actually thought the Super Frogs thing was a little bit funny. But I think that most people really think that this was like a plan D. I think they were trying to secure some people from, from Andrade's past. Uh, I think they were trying to work out a deal where they could get maybe Dragon Lee uh, and Ray Oris, which some people might remember as Eldrick Hone Azteca from uh, Lucha Underground, uh, or some of the folks that are in, in uh, Ring of Honor or maybe in AAA to come in. That, that you know, it, it could have been almost like a La Faccion in, in Gobernable uh, kind of thing, and none of that worked out. I, you know, they probably reached out to the Laredo Kid and then you know anyone else and. None of that worked out. So this just became, I think, the plan B. But the part of which that bothered me was when, I can't remember which team it was, went after the masks and commentary said, these are AAA rules. So if you remove the masks, it's going to be a disqualification. And then later on, the mask got removed and there was no disqualification. That's what bothered me. I, I just thought that there should have been more, a, a better way to... I don't know, book this where there wasn't so much cultural appropriation. I feel like there's already enough of it. I've spoken about this previously on our podcast. You've got Luchasaurus is a white guy in a mask, in a lucha mask, pretending to be a luchador. You've got, um, who's the other guy? Fuego del Sol. You've got so many of these fucking guys. Like, how many more do we need to fucking, like, how many more? You've got more white guys in lucha masks than actual luchadors. <laughs> you you need to channel Dave Chappelle and and talk about how Caitlyn Jenner in her first year as a woman one woman of the year and, and it's yeah. like blank of the blank of the year Eminem. <laughs> so, this, this is exactly what that is though, Jeff. Like, come on, like this is what pisses me off about AEW. Is like they're so they're so tone deaf. Like, how do you fucking expect? Like, I again, I'm sensitive because I'm a Latina. And I see this and I go, okay, he's gonna bring in some 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 diverse talent. I've I've criticized AEW for their their lack of diversity in their booking. Like I'm I'm fucking done with it, Jeff. It's so fucking frustrating. Like I'm not gonna support a fucking wrestling organization if they if in 2021 they can't fucking figure this out. Well it's maybe so you triple A who their their world champion is Canadian. And their their tag team champions are. I mean, I guess that I know they live in North Carolina now. I don't know what their origin is, but I'm guessing it's America. There, I listen. People have said that to me too, but you know what? AAA is looking out for AAA. They're gonna try to 
cater to whoever's going to give them the money. If Tony Khan's paying them to put over Kenny Omega and FTR, I can't fault them for that. I can fault the millionaire that is telling me that they're so such a fucking woke company, but they're not. This we is know bullshit, they're not a woke company. That that's that's bunk. We know that. No, I mean, but no, Jeff. Jeff, they started out saying we got Nyla Rose. We've got uh, all this different diversity. Like we're different. We're different than the WWE. Right? No, they you're had not. Purdy, you're they had worse. Adam Page. That they, they had MJF. They had the Young Bucks. They had Pack. A lot of diversity. I don't know, Jeff. I was just very taken aback by this entire fucking set setup. Like, just book something better. Just be more sensitive to the culture. To just instead of this fucking cultural appropriation. Like they everybody have both loves cultures the... represented, country and western. Yeah, but why not have like actual luchadors? I, I get some no... actual Latinos to beat up uh, and become. Like I understand that this is a newsflash. Oh, FTR has the AAA titles. Is this just to appease them because they were pissed off that they 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 had a flash in the pan uh, run as AEW tag champs? I think it's to appease them because they they had to sell for Sting, or Sting didn't have to sell for them. I think it, I think what what we should really be upset about if if we're AAA and if we give a damn about AAA is that the AAA tag team championships have become in essence the the king of the ring or the queen of the ring. They're a consolation prize. They're so there's there's something that basically has no meaning that get that just gets you on TV. They're trinkets. I don't know how this is playing out in Mexico, like with the Mexican fans and fans of AAA. Like maybe they love this shit. I don't know. I don't. I was look, trying to see on Twitter if there was some sort of like, you know, trend line on how they were feeling about it. Lucha but Twitter. I, yeah, yeah, Lucha Twitter. But I, I, I couldn't see anything that was just that dramatic or that Im impactful. So I was just, I, I'm left aback by like, listen, they're doing business. They think that what this is best for business. I know Tony Khan is probably paying them to to book Kenny Omega over Andrade. I know Tony Khan is probably paying them to put the AAA world titles on them. That's how this fucking thing works. But for AEW, for Tony Khan, in his own booking, on his own show, it's incredibly culturally sensitive, like insensitive for him to just be that dumb. I'm just going to be flat out and say it. That dumb to write into an angle more white guys in Lucha Mask. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just how I feel. Okay. That's fine. And then, uh, Jeff, if that wasn't enough, then there's more bickering. So I've already got, I'm a, I, I, by Saturday night, I'm already pissed off at Tony Khan. Then I got to hear the ratings nonsense. The entire weekend of Tony Khan flipping out because he won one demo. <laughs> and that, and then they were so essentially Tony Khan is trying to sell me and the public. If you win one quarter in a football game, you win despite being blown the fuck out in the entire game. Yeah, I, this, this was stupid. This whole thing was stupid. It brought me so much joy. I mean, this week started with Tony, it was a story about Tony Khan getting injured in at the New York show by some MMA guy when he was fooling around. So it, it already, I mean, obviously he's been crabby all week over that. Uh, yeah. Then, then I, they... I, I watched, I watched the spot live. He uh -huh. picked, he picked, he just lifted him up 
you could probably find it online. He, this guy, I forget who it was, which, which one, I think it was a junior DeSantos. He ended up grabbing the one that, that wants to talk smack to Roman Reigns. Um, he, he lifts up, um, Tony Khan just like up on his, like up on his shoulder, like, like you would lift a child. And that was mm-hmm. the move. That was it. Like how weak is Tony Khan that, that he talks so much shit, but then when somebody picks him up, he breaks a rib. He's like a typical Generation Y or Gen Gen Z. Or he's he, he talks a lot, he tweets a lot, but physically he's you know he's basically never left his house, so he's made of brittle. I mean oh he, he's I mean he's Joe Gacy's character is is geared towards now to to Twitter to to, to Tony Khan. It's uh, that's why it's working. Um, Jeff, what were your what are your thoughts on these ratings like? He's saying that. Do you have the numbers in front of you? You're pretty good with the numbers. Yeah. Uh, last year, uh, last week's rampage did an aggregate of five hundred and seventy-eight thousand, which was up from the week before. SmackDown FS1 did eight hundred and sixty-six thousand. Now, I am not sure if that includes uh, SmackDown was broadcast in two markets on local. Networks that was New York and Chicago, wherever wherever baseball was being played, and there was uh, like another eighty nine thousand. So I'm not sure if that eight hundred sixty six includes the eighty nine thousand or it doesn't. I tend to think it doesn't because it's not purely FS one. Uh, but anyway, let's just say eight sixty six to nine fifty. Um, a difference of either way you're looking at it three hundred thousand, you know, or or more. Which, as we've discussed before, as far as n- Broadcast media buyers are concerned. The demos do not matter when when there's a difference of more than six figures, and this was, you know, three hundred fifty percent more than that. So all all of this is nonsense. What I think of it, I think it was silly and pathetic, but it worked. He see, he sold it to his people. He had he had them being talked about all week. The problem is he's not selling this to anyone new. No, the only people who care are people who are already invested. So. I mean, I loved every second of it. Yes, it was pitiful. It's like, uh, yes, I lost in soccer five to three, but my son scored while the most fans were watching the game. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it, it's 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 just the epitome of silliness. It's like, I, I have to be honest. I I think, you know, you could look at on the positive. You could say everybody won because you got a whole lot of wrestling and a whole lot of tit for tat and competitions. That's what we all wanted. Um, you know, Eric Bischoff and Booker T both sort of pointed out this week that there's not really competition because they're not going head to head. And they both said, listen, Tony Khan, shut up a little bit more and, and just focus on your product. If you love your product, it'll speak for itself. And a week where I agree with both Eric Bischoff and Booker T in the same week is 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 a weird week. Um, of course, Booker T thankfully said something later on, which was uh, – criticizing Adam Page and, and his character and saying you can't be taken seriously uh, because you're always drinking, which, I mean, Booker T, no. mostly famous for, for Stone Cold Steve Austin, who was drinking. No, uh, can, I, can, I, can I jump in there? Because I feel like the, uh, people are conflating the comment. And I actually agree with Booker T here. Mm-hmm. He said he said the drinking part, but he said, what was it, that um, Adam Page needs to cater to children more? And that he needs to quit drinking and stop hanging around with with goofballs. The goofballs part, I agree with. Yeah, the dark. If that's the dark order, absolutely. I can't take him seriously as a world champion if he's with the fucking seven dwarves. Like, 
what? This is he's at Booker T is right on that account. Yeah, the the alcoholism. You're you're probably right. Stone Cold Steve Austin is probably one of the famous, most famous guys in the Attitude Era, and AEW fans love that shit. So, you know, he's wrong there. But if you split up the the comments, he looks like an idiot. But if you can put them together, it, he's right. So that's fine. Fair enough. I didn't want to get too far, far on on Booker's Hangman comments because I don't, I don't, I don't really think that's Hangman's problem. I think that. And I've said it here a bunch of times that Hangman's problem is the same as Drew McIntyre's problem. It, it's just it feels like if when they're acting, it feels like they're acting. They, like they're they they lack that sort of authenticity plus spark in the authenticity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some people on themselves they're just dull and they need to do something else. Um, but some people when they find that magic authenticity, it's just all of a sudden all those it's it's like charisma level unlocked in a video game. And and both those guys sort of are that's their missing piece. Anyway, enough about that. Back to the Tony Khan thing and and the ratings. I actually think that the end result of this of last week's Friday night stuff is that both of their ploys backfired. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, a half a million people have watched the Daniel Bryan Suzuki match since then, but live it was. 80,000, I think at its height, it was 98,000. So under 100,000 people watched that, the YouTube buy-in show. There's no way that was the goal. The goal was to get as many people watching Rampage and to keep them watching Rampage. So mm-hmm. backfire. Didn't work out. I'm not even going to talk about how I didn't think it was the match of the year. It was fine. The match was fine. I, I just thought it was a little bit long and boring. No, um, I, I, can, can I just jump in here one, one quick quote, yeah. second? They they talk like this fucking match is the God God again God's gift to wrestling again. This fucking match is amazing, Jeff. I can't get into this match if you're gonna stand around waiting for a fucking guy to slap the shit out of you. Like that's entertaining every once in a while, and maybe one one spot in a match. But the whole fucking match, like they right. went to it two or three times. Like I understand strong style is supposed to be hard hitting. But there's matches where I've seen between two competitors where they're stiff and they tell a story while wrestling, not while just standing there waiting to get smacked. This looked like a fucking daredevil stunt instead of uh, an actual wrestling match. Well, they do it because one guy's 53 and he needs to catch his breath. So they have to sit there with their heads together, acting like they're, they're shit talking to each other when they're probably exchanging pleasantries. They're saying, okay, you're ready. You're catching your breath yet. You're catching your breath yet. You... Listen, the match was fine, but everyone going all like extraordinary about it. it. It wasn't even the match of the night on AEW, let alone. I mean, there were three matches on SmackDown, which were better, but I found the inner circle versus the uh, men of the year and America's top team a better more entertaining match, but I don't, I don't want to get into these side issues just yet with this because I, I think this this both backfired. The uh, you know the SmackDown FS1 ploy, the extra half hour, didn't do much for them either. Um, and if anything, they opened themselves up to this little snippet of time where you know somehow Ruby Soho was on TV for four minutes doing more than you know Brock and and Roman or whatever, and people being say Ruby Soho is more over than. They're Roman, which 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 is absurd. So That's, I would say it's that complete, it's complete nonsense. That pissed me off. It is complete off. nonsense, but but somebody said it, and then you have to yeah, but it. So it sounds like you're yeah, but all I'm saying is that both of these gambits failed. Ne- neither showed the gangbuster. SmackDown was under a million. 
they open themselves up to this, you know, this 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 window of time where AW did better in the demo, not not in overall numbers, uh, but that's all they you know act like they care about. Um, and the YouTube didn't really increase AW's numbers, and and not a whole lot of people watch chose to watch it live. So uh, it was garbage. You know, the aftermath of this was just silly. Three days of people arguing about this little snippet of time, this little window of time. And by 4 o'clock today, when the Fast Nationals come out, which may only be for for Fox, because I'm not sure that, that TNT is going to ask for the Fast Nationals again. It actually costs several thousand dollars to get this sort of Fast Nationals. I, so I don't know if they're going to do that again, because last night's Rampage was not a big show and and it you know i I, i'm sure it'll fall back from that 579 to the jeff i didn't watch last night's rampage obviously because i'm on vacation and doing more important stuff plus i'm on i'm boycotting aew until they actually uh do something for diversity um (laughs) what 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 was on the show well, I mean, for diversity, Sammy Guevara has a very important singles title that he is making very important by being involved in faction warfare. So why do you take the title off of Miro if you're going to put the guy into a faction warfare with, with UFC guys? Um, uh, how was the show last night, um, Rampage? I honestly th- think it was it was pretty bad. So th- the show opened up with... Um, I, I, I may have the order wrong, but you you got more of what would probably drive you crazy with the uh, cultural appropriation. Um, I will remember at some point what the opening match was, but at some point uh, you had Alejandro. It was, it was, Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, it was such a riveting episode that you totally forgot about it ten yeah. hours later. <laughs> I forget about things all the time. Well, I mean the, the, the stuff that was important to me. Um, so you had Alexander Abrahandos and Penta, no Phoenix, talking to Tony Schiavone. And before they can do the interview, uh, Abrahandos points into the audience. Uh, and Oh, wait, I do remember what the original match was. Because the first match was one of the, the, the tournament match for the, the contendership. It was Orange Cassidy, the guy who's constantly in tournaments, constantly being pushed, constantly at everything. But... Has has the number one ranking anyway? He's eighteen two and one or something in twenty twenty one. Which, by the way, I guess they're going to reset again in two months. Which everyone's like, it makes sense in in sports seasons the records reset. Yeah, but the title also gets reverted. I mean, you know, you're, they're fighting for a new title. So unless the titles are vacant, the, the the record thing doesn't matter. But that's a story for another day. So it's Orange Cassidy against Will Hobbs, Powerhouse Hobbs. Um. And basically the story is that Powerhouse Hobbs isn't going to get fooled again like he did a year ago from uh, Orange Cassidy, who basically in seven seconds hit him with an orange crush or an orange punch and knocked him out and won the match in seven seconds. That's not going to happen again. And and it didn't, but needless to say, Powerhouse Hobbs lost. So let me point out just one way. How did he lose? Uh, it, it was like an awkward sort of almost like a crucifix roll up that that it it, it was sort of i mean a lot of time like powerhouse knew that the punch was coming or that he would catch orange cassidy orange cassidy still has his ribs taped up by the way he's accompanied by chuck taylor and hold on hold on a second hold on a second jack Mm -hmm. orange cassidy is 
is is working an injury. His right. ribs are taped up because of the beatdown that what that that what a Moxley put on him last week or something like that. No, it was from the the um the the, the tables spot with him and Matt Hardy and Matt Hardy by the way is in the audience so that's still going on the Matt, Matt Hardy or Hardy family office against Orange Cassidy is still going on but it's going it's going back to that where they went through the table in the, in Got the it. casino so, battle royal thing. So Orange Cassidy not at a hundred percent, right? Beat Hobbs, a beat out, with him a fucking move. with a crucifix. This is fucking ridiculous, Jeff. Like, it, it, come on. It, it was beyond that. So, in this, they make a big deal about Powerhouse Hobbs not getting Orange Cassidy out of the corner. You know, a few times. You know, until the five count, which you're allowed. And Bryce Rensburg is is being really loud, and and they're talking about on commentary way too much. So at some point, Powerhouse Hobbs puts his hands under Bryce Rensburg's uh, shoulders, um, you know, like his armpit area, and picks him up like a child and moves him, you know, five feet. And Bryce Rensburg yelling him. Powerhouse Hobbs goes to you know, touch him again, like to pat him on the shoulder, going, "My bad, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have done that." But you know, and and of course, there's no DQs in in AW, so it's just awkward. Nothing's happening. Hook comes up to the ring apron. He's trying to talk Powerhouse Hobbs off, but it's going on way too long. On commentary, you've got Jericho screaming like like you know like he always is stealing the show. You and not in a good way, hijacking the show. You have Taz on commentary and Ricky Starks on commentary, who who adds nothing. So there's a lot of noise and chatter coming from there. Uh, during all this, I guess Orange Cassidy manages to compose himself and basically does a, a roll up uh, and and secures the three count on Hobbs. So that Hobbs, who you know we keep hearing is being pushed, 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 keep you know loses another semi big one. And Orange Cassidy, who doesn't need these wins, the 38 year old, 135 pound guy who's perennially the number one contender advances in this contendership match where he doesn't need it at all. And we're seeing Matt Hardy in the audience, you know, still laughing and then being upset. So we know that that's still going on, which tells us what the story is. So it was a, it was a useless win, at least if they're going to subject us to Matt Hardy, Orange Cassidy again, Matt Hardy should have had something to do with it or send in send in Helico and let him be the one to lose his hair next, whatever. Anyway, hey, let me point out one of my old, but favorite ones. You have Ricky Starks on commentary who basically never wrestles anymore. I think he's had one match and it was pretty short. I'm not sure health-wise he can even wrestle, but he adds nothing to commentary. You have Taz on commentary. You have Hook, whose best work is being Gage Goldberg. And then you have Hobbs, who loses every important match, and Brian Cage, who's basically in purgatory and is the most vocally you know, frustrated with his position in AEW. So once again, we have to come back to hashtag fire Taz. That that never forget. Never, never hashtag never forget. Right. Uh, well, I think that hashtag's taken. Just never forget or ha hashtag fire Taz. Um, so that was the first match. Then we have the Abrahendos Penta doing the interview spot. But before they can say anything, Abrahendos points to the audience, and both him and Penta are so distracted and fooled. By two guys in black shirts who are wearing the Super Frogs masks, the Luchador masks. Not the whole outfits, but these guys are 
regular looking guys. They're skinny guys. One of them is taller and skinny by mm -hmm. tall. I mean, like maybe like six feet. The other one is shorter. And like, I already know, feel my, my, I already feel my blood boiling. Right. So Abrahendos and Penta are convinced that this is FTR in the super frogs. They look nothing like these are, these are regular skinny computer jockeys, you know, whatever, uh, coffee shop people. Um, and of course, as soon as this happens, uh, FTR, you know, comes behind them and, and puts the beat down on them. You hear Jericho say, oh, Tully Blanchard ran down. Tully, we didn't see Tully Blanchard in the camera shot till later, but I guess Tully Blanchard led them. Whatever it was, you know, they're fooled by two guys who are clearly not the super frogs. They're just two doofuses wearing green luchador masks. Um, and Phoenix is, is not there. Nowhere, nowhere to be found. He's, you know, I, I guess defending his AAA something or other, or, you know, or having travel issues or off this week. Um, so they're stupid the and distracted by people who are clearly not FTR and then get beaten up by FTR. So that was irritating. That was annoying. Oh so, my God. yeah, you would have hated it. Then we oh, have, yeah, the, the, the TBS women's champion first round match. Um, I think I'm not even sure if it, if it was, it was, it was actually, it was billed as a grudge match between Anna Jay of the dark order and Britt Baker. And I mean, I don't remember this being, you know, I, I know they've had some interplay, but to call it a grudge match seemed a little bit quick anyway, not important. Um, this match started out okay. And then it got like really sloppy. Like anyone who thinks that Anna Jay has, really improved you're right but if you think that she's really improved where she's the level of say carmella you're wrong she's see this this looked like two drunk girls fighting in, in a bar they were rolling around the, the moves were not smooth Britt baker's obviously learned how to do the crucifix roll up and so she she did that about five or six times um it looked like this, you know, it sounded like the story was that Anna Jay, since this was a non-title match, was going to get a win. And so she'd be positioned um, for a title shot. And, and you know, that'd be fine. A nice, nice little feud until they, you know, eventually bring back Thunder Rosa into the, into the equation or, or, you know, something or build up Ruby Soho or whatever they're planning to do. Um, Anna Jay also had her entire right shoulder taped up with that, that, that black tape that Cesaro's always wearing, you know, that, that's supposed to be better than regular tape. And they made a big deal of that on commentary. And Britt Baker's constantly working the left shoulder, which is the untaped one. So that made no sense. There also seemed to be a spot where either Anna Jay's boobs were falling out or her chest was really hurt because she kept like putting her hands over her cleavage. Now, she was not you know, particularly exposed. So I don't know what was going on there. I don't know if that's just her go-to I'm hurt or if she actually got hurt, hit in the sternum or what, but you know, uh, you know, a disappointment B, you know, because there was no exposure. Um, but uh, B it, this, this whole thing was sloppy. Anyway, Brit won. She, she not only put in the mandible claw, the lockjaw, uh once, but after she won, she did it a, a second time without, really any useful help from Jamie Hayter or Rebel. In fact, Jamie Hayter just took a right cross from um, Anna Jay and fell off the ring. Uh, her Brit's army was rather useless, and they were useless again because when Brit applied to the second time, Ty Conti came out running out to do the rescue, and was she intercepted, and did she have to 
dispatch rebel and Jamie Hader. No, they were, they were standing on the floor in, in the furthest corner um, ready to retreat with Britt Baker. So it looks like Ty Conti is going to get another match. I, it looks like they're not building to the Anna J feud with Britt Baker for the title. They're going to build towards uh, Ty Conti, which is probably fine. She's probably, I mean, I think Ty Conti is probably more advanced skill level than Anna J, but I mean, I don't know what she's done to merit a title shot, but it doesn't really matter. You know, you know, I think my opinion on Ty Conti is she's very much improved from when she left NXT to when she first debuted on AEW. And she looks like she's putting in the work, putting in the effort to do a better job in the ring. Um, And so I think this TBS title being that it's a secondary title, like the mid card women's title, I think is a good spot for her to win. I would not want to see Jade win it. I would not want to see Thunder Rosa win it. I want Ty Conti is is a perfect uh, person to give it to. I, I agree with that. The only problem is is that's not what this is teasing. This is teasing Ty Conti against Britt Baker. So you know it, it's it's the wrong place. I so while I agree with everything you're saying, it 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 it. it there's a discrepancy, to use your word, in 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 the in the factual story that that's happening in the booking right now. Right now, I'm not sure if she's in the tournament because uh, they said they were going to announce the brackets, but they didn't announce them last night. So maybe that's coming. Speaking of brackets, the next uh, men's contendership match is Eddie Kingston against Lance Archer. I think that's tonight on Dynamite. Um, I'm predicting a Lance Archer victory. Um, Though I would have predicted what, the Will Hobbs victory, so what do I know? Jeff, what are your thoughts on this Eliminator tournament? You saw the bracket come out last week. You've got Preston in the in the thing, but you don't have Miro. I do appreciate that Miro shouted that out in his promo last week to say, how do you not, you know, he keeps talking about God. How did you not put me in this bracket? Is God Tony Khan? Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, I don't understand. I don't know. Understand how Preston Vance is in this. I don't understand why Orange Cassidy is in this. I mean, you can make arguments both way about the rankings that he's earned his way into it, but he doesn't need to be there. He's in other stories. What has Lance Archer done to be in this? What has Eddie Kingston done to be in this? Why is Amiro in this? Why isn't CM Punk? I mean, it's obviously not the biggest stars in the in the company. Uh, you know, and based on Tony Khan's leaked full gear card, I mean, it. it, it it seems almost certain that it's Brian Danielson versus John Moxley in a sort of face versus face. So I guess this will be John Moxley's heel turn, um, which seems unnecessary. Um, that's, that's Jeff. Sorry to interrupt, but that's what they've been saying uh, on social media is that, oh, see, you know, the way did you see that how Moxley attacked John, uh, Orange Cassidy? Uh, no, not Orange Cassidy. Who was the other one? Daniel Garcia. He beat the shit out of him. Shunti? Who? Uh, agreed. Shunti? I agree, but I just want to say this. Everybody's like, oh, this is a heel turn. John Moxley's been a heel ever since I've known him. So I'm not surprised by this. Well, yeah, but he's always supposed to be the aside from your grudge with him, he's he's supposed to be the tweener. He's supposed to be the the Stone Cold Steve Austin that really doesn't change heel versus face. I mean, but when Eddie Kingston saved his life, I mean there's more the Eddie Kingston face turn. Um, I can't believe what I'm referencing the the exploding death what match again. Um, 
I, I mean, I don't know why he needs to turn, period. They're, they're, I mean, all of their top guys are heels, basically. Um, so, I mean, they're very heel-heavy. I mean, the entire elite is heel, though I haven't seen them. This is not a complaint. But I haven't seen the Good Brothers in weeks. So, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not upset about that. Um, Tony, Tony's going to hear this and then book more Good Brothers for you. I'm fucking damn it. I'm going to send Junior to Santos to, you know, give him lullabies again and injure him. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this, this, this was this, – this is when – now, so Rampage up to this point, and it's 1035 – is basically a disaster. Um, now we get Andrade versus Pac. Pac. So they have one of these these you know split screen interviews with Tony Schiavone mediating, not Mark Henry. I don't know why. I'm not complaining because Mark Henry's not really very good at this. I, I I'm not sure why Mark Henry or the Big Show were added. Um, I know everyone's gonna say they're scouts. They're scouts. No, no, they're not scouts. They're working with the big men. They're working. No, they're not. Every time AEW adds someone, they say they're going to really work with the young guys and help them to develop them. They see each other once a week. They ain't doing shit. Um, they fly in. They work for. They work one day a week, sometimes two. That's it. They're, they're after that. They spend their time alone. They're not coaching. They're not scouting. They're not doing anything of the sort. And if they were scouting, they wouldn't be signing Fuego del Sol and and Hijo de Fuego del Sol. That that's not what Mark Henry's looking for. Uh, you know, Mark Henry and the Big Show. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. What? What is Hijo del Fuego del Sol? Oh, you, 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 you didn't see that that uh, Fuego del Sol and Hijo del Fuego del Sol were having a match on either Dark or Dark Elevation. Um, and when I mocked it, somebody said, "You obviously haven't been watching Sammy Guevara's vlogs." I'm like, "You're absolutely correct," and I never <laughs> will. <laughs> So oh my I, God. Can't, I, I can't tell you more than that, but apparently Fuego del Sol is old enough to have a child that's old enough to wrestle. I don't, I don't a, believe this. Or he's a all. fake son. Maybe it's Sammy Guevara under the mask. I, I, I don't know. I don't care. Whatever it is, it's it's well, all I'm saying is that if Mark Henry and the Big Show are doing scouting, they're they're you know they're obviously not looking for people like themselves, um, you know, to to bring in the beef. You know, because it's this is this is a Dante Martin Orange Cassidy promotion. Okay, but, so so ahead. we have the split screen, um, and Andrade makes a big deal that he has friends all over the world, which I guess is a callback to you know he paid off MJF and FTR were were either his friends or or the mercenaries through MJF, but he's friends all over the world, which, I, you know, I think, again, if you wanted to hear it, you would think, okay, great, LFI, you know, Los Gobernables are coming in. Who, who's coming in? Is it going to be other luchadors? What, what's up? What's going on? So there's that. So, and then, you know, Pac is his usual self going, you know, this should have been avoided. You had cheeky managers, dodgy, you know, uh, counselors. Meanwhile, is Chavo fired? Is he no longer with the company? Period, or, or is he just <laughs> who? Who knows? Who knows? He, he's you know what? He's probably in the same uh, pension plan as Jake the Snake Roberts. He'll show up when he can. Yeah, they resigned Jake that two year con, but but Jake at least we know that his, that his health that you know went downhill. Like he's his COPD got real bad or whatever, and he probably just can't do the travel anyway. I, I you know that just occurred to me that we haven't seen hide nor hair of, of Chavo Guerrero since her you know. 
I, I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe that was designed to be a short arc, but maybe it was a tryout and maybe they decided it, it wasn't working. I, I don't know. I don't know the, why they got rid of him and kept Vicky and some of the others. Anyway, their, their, their decisions will be a, a subtopic for another day. So basically, Pac says, you know, I'm going to beat you once and for all. This is long overdue. And maybe that will get, you know, and your obsession with me and the Lucha Brothers. Okay, that's so... And then Tony does his thing, you know, the time for talking to stop to the ring. So they, they have a match. And, and listen, this was a good match. This this was, uh, you know, the, you know, s- slow, technical, uh, some controlled spots. Um, but it was good. This was a good, hard-hitting quality match. Um, you know, best part of the show. Uh, at the end, Pack actually rolls up Andrade. It looks pretty clear that you got a three count. We hear the we hear the three count, but before there can be any announcement, the lights go off. Uh takes that five or six second time for them to to come back on, uh, which usually means that it's Malachi Black. In fact it was. He's staring at both of them. So you have basically a WWE reunion there in the middle of the ring. Um and they're both looking at Malachi Black, and then Malachi Malachi Black turns to Pac and spits the black mist in Pac's face, where he immediately goes down. Now, this is fine, except that Pac here sort of screwed up or just didn't feel like putting in the energy. But instead of writhing in pain, you know, with his hands over his eyes, yelling, I'm blind, or ah, or rolling out of the ring, he decides to play unconscious, like it was paralyzing mist or something, as opposed to the mist that we've, you know, seen since the great Kabuki was doing it in, in the early eighties and maybe even the seventies. Um, so Pax immobilized. And so Andrade was talking about his friends all over the world, uh, obviously included the Netherlands in that and on, and Malachi black is now working for him. Then we see Arn Anderson walk down the ramp. He pulls out his finger gun. So he's now the semi-retired cleaner and, you know, referencing back to his, his, <laughs> His, his Glock comments, he he finger shoots. Um, I'm not sure if he was aiming at Malachi Black or at Andrade, probably Black. It doesn't really matter. Shoots the gun. And then from the back, Cody comes out in a black T-shirt with, you know, his tattoo symbol on his shirt matching his neck and the skinniest black jeans I've ever seen. I mean, it almost looked like they were leather pants. Um, and I'm sorry, if you're trying to be a man and a tough guy, you cannot be wearing skin tight jeans you, you just can't um so anyway cody comes out and he and he's beating up both the guys so you know cody secret heel still thinks he's a face and i guess all of arms pep talks and telling him to be serious you know got him in the mood and so I, now i, I guess aren't what aren't what aren't really told him the biggest takeaway that cody had was wear wear skinny jeans yeah pretty want to be a badass and not get carjacked you need to wear skinny jeans. I mean, unless those jeans have a zipper up and down the the entirety of the leg, I don't know how he's getting those things on or off. Anyway, so I guess what we're going to see now is Cody and Pac versus Andrade and Malachi Black in, in tag matches for a while. But anyway, that was the end of it. Can I ask you this, Jeff? Why does Andrade, who is supposed to be, you know, a big deal in Japan, he was a former NXT world champion, you know, what, why does he need assistance to beat Pac? Why does he need help? Well, he's rusty. He's he's signed with AW March. It is now and hasn't the been shown. October. It's 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 been over 
seven months. This was his fourth match. And one of those was the Casino Battle Royal, the, the Chip Battle Royal match. So he beat Matt Seidel once. He beat Pack in ways that he wasn't happy about because he didn't want to he didn't want to cheat and he fired Chavo and almost fired his groomer, um, but didn't. Uh, then you know uh, lost in the Casino Battle Royal, and now this where he's lost. So he's I guess two and two, but one of his victories he's not happy with. So this is so basically you know into month eight he's had one match every two months. That's great work if you can get it, but you know maybe he's just not up up to snuff. Though he did say this week that he and Charlotte, you know, Charlotte's helping with promos and he's helping her with, with ring work, which is crazy. She should help him, but uh, that's that's besides what. I, I don't know what what's going on with Andrade. I mean, if if anybody thinks he's being treated like a big star, you're crazy. But at least this seems like it's some direction where it's going to be some continuous story. Uh, whether or not it'll continue to involve the Lucha Brothers and FTR, whether I'm correct that they've sort of separate and they're pivoting towards each other. Hopefully we won't be getting eight man matches and stuff like that. But it seems like Pac is being split from the Lucha brothers and, and onto team Cody. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I, I you know, the, the pop that Malachi black gets is so enormous that I think at some point he's going to be the one that turns on Andrade. It'll be interesting because both these guys sort of left WWE around the same time. They both wanted to leave around the same time. Uh, Andrade obviously got was able to be released earlier and work freely because of Charlotte. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if they're you know if they're feud um, coming up. But uh, yeah, that was the end of the show. I mean, Jeff, you know, aside I, from the I, I, I don't want to see this. Uh, I don't know what I want to see. Jeff, I, mean, I have no interest in seeing this. 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 Uh... Well, Malachi Black's probably a guy. Sorry, that there's a delay, that, right? Yeah, Malachi Black probably should have been in that in that tournament, in that contender tournament. He's done nothing but win. I he has. He's been he knocked off uh, the the what's it the Nightmare uh, team? What's Cody's <laughs> faction called again? They're not Nightmare the Factory. Family. They're something else. The, the Adam family. family. <laughs> Adam's family. I don't, I don't even understand why Andrade needs assistance, right? Like he he's been booked horribly. He's he's booked as a joke uh, on AEW. So, and if I hear otherwise, it's nonsense because he, they should have booked him to look strong. One of the top guys internationally. The Lucha Brothers should have went with him. They should have started their own faction, looked strong, booked strong. But no, instead it's this nonsense. They're like in limbo. He's in limbo. Well, they already have a Latin star, and his name is Cody Rhodes. <laughs> I'm gonna. That's gonna be the title of this week's episode: is Latin star Cody Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> there can be only one. Um, Any other things that you want to discuss AEW wise before we move on to WWE? I don't think so. I, you know, I that that was that. I mean, nah, that's that's enough. All righty. Let's. Um, do you want to start with NXT predictions, or do you want to start with uh, Crown Jewel reactions? Um. Let's do the NXT predictions. I just want to say that two weeks ago and last episode, I really loved NXT 2.0. I thought it, I didn't think everything was great, but I enjoyed the flow of the show. This week, not so much. This this week was getting more into the discombobulated. There was good stuff in it. 
but there was a lot of weird stuff. And Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly, two guys with utterly no charisma as a team doing vignettes in the woods. It, it just, the whole thing seems weird. I think that Von Wagner should s switch gimmicks to that he's deaf and he should only do promos in sign language. Uh, I, 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 just, I just can't hear him talk anymore. Kyle O'Reilly, I, I, I can't wait till he joins the elite also. Uh, just or, or Kazarian, retired elite hunter or whatever he's doing now. I mean, I, I don't know. They just just get Kyle O'Reilly. I, I asked God I, in the segment, I couldn't even recognize who. I wasn't sure who that was. I had no idea that was Kyle O'Reilly until Von Wagner dragged, drove up. I'm like, I'm like, who's this little jabroni on a bicycle with a bike helmet? I mean, and it was Kyle O'Reilly. Just ugh, kill me. Oh, Halloween Havoc. Um, okay. So predictions. Starting at the bottom of the card, um, Solo Sikoa, who's the Uso's brother, uh, he is going to debut in a singles match versus TBA. So totally bitching awesome. Um, I, 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 I'm predicting that Solo Sikoa wins. I agree with you. I got. I mean, he's he's new. He's Samoan. He's going to be the guy. He's like, what is he? The the street fighter of the island, or the the champion fighter of the island? Some some that's his gimmick. He should come out like you know how like the Usos used to come out and do that dance. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to see that again. Right. I wonder if they're going to have any interaction between him and the other Samoan guy who I like, but like not enough to remember his name. Um, Quinn Coin. <laughs> I don't know why I can't remember his name, but I do like him. I'm not. I'm not kidding. Um, anyway, so yeah, so there's that. We also have Carmelo Hayes, the new North American champion, defending against what appears to be face Johnny Gargano. Uh, I'm going to say Carmelo Hayes uh, retains his championship, uh, probably with Trick or Track Williams interference or intervention, which brings in Dexter Loomis. Um, which means that Dexter Loomis will probably be Carmelo Hayes' next opponent, but I'm going with Carmelo Hayes retaining his champion. Uh, Johnny Gargano is not there to win, and hopefully uh, in a couple months he'll also be joining the elite. Look at you. That booking makes sense. I actually do think Carmelo Hayes is going to win this match, and this should be a coming-out party for Carmelo Hayes. I think Gargano is going to put him over pretty good. Yeah, no, this this match will go too long, but people who like match classics will probably love it. I I, I like what's happening with Carmelo Hayes. I know some people don't, but I I will, like will, Jeff, will it rank above or below Suzuki versus Brian? In both in reality and accolades, it will rank below it. I mean, it, and and it should. I'm not saying Suzuki versus Brian was a bad match. I'm just saying it wasn't match of the year. It was just. It was a typical Japanese strong style match with technical stuff thrown in there. I mean, we've seen this match a, a, a hundred times. I, I'm saying it was a bad match. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. I'm just saying it was overblown. That's all. Thank you. Yes. All right. Next is MSK versus Imperium for the NXT tag team titles. This is one of those spin the wheel, make a deal. So we don't know what the stipulation is. Apparently the only time that mattered was for the women's tag team match because whoever gets to spin the wheel obviously gets some advantage in chance. But anyway, um, MSK will retain against Imperium. 
um, because this these titles are being held for the Creed brothers and Imperium are heels and the Creed brothers are heels. So uh, it, it's going to stick with MSK, who, by the way, I mean, I know it, they came in with a bunch of fanfare and people like MSK. I keep forgetting they're the champions. I keep forgetting they're in NXT. You know, I don't know if that's about them or me. Could be either way, but uh, I, I don't think MSK is really lighting the NXT and WWE universe on fire. Mm, I think that remains to be seen. MSK is very flashy in the ring. It's going to be interesting. This is two different styles of wrestling, Imperium versus MSK. So it's going to be an interesting match to watch. I don't know what to expect. You'd be um, interesting to see them with Matt Riddle smoking a bowl. And on a camel. Do, yeah, do, doing doing bonk well, that would be a hookah. Doing doing <laughs> yeah, doing that and like watching like Bonty Python movies. Oh, amazing. Sign me up for that. Yeah. Give uh, shut uh, up and take my money. Yeah, MSK's winning. Okay, good. All right. So next is Io Shirai and Zoe Starks, the current champion NXT women's champions. Hard to remember. Now we have to talk about the singles match, which was one member from each of these three teams. So Emma, so we have the champs, Io, Io Shirai, Zoe Starks versus Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada um, and JC Jane and Gigi Dolan. One member of each of these teams was in a three-way match and whoever won the match would get to spin the wheel. The end result was that the Io Shirai won, so they got to spin the wheel. But in this match, JC Jane did a tope suicida, uh, caught her her legs and, and feet got entangled in the rope. She landed flat on her face. She's fine. She got a, a CT scan. Uh, nothing was wrong. But Persia Parada, showing that she's a rookie, immediately reacted like, are you okay? Which is nice, but that's not what she's supposed to do. That's not her job. That's the job of the referee. So, uh, you know, but, you know, she's fine, so we can laugh about it. But that was, I mean, that was about as big a botch as I have seen, period, anywhere. So whoever does AEW Botchermania, they need to put an NXT Botchermania on there also. Anyway, the result of this is that, I mean, if JC Jane and Gigi Dolan don't end up coming out with the, the titles in this, I don't know what this is all about. Per, uh, Indy Hartwell and, and Persia Parada, while they're interesting-ish, Persia Parada is really a rookie. Uh, she proved that she's not ready to be uh, a champion bearer uh, just in a reaction, however human that might have been. Um, she's supposed to be a trained professional in the show. Um, and this Io Shirai-Zoe Starks thing hasn't caught anything. I mean, Zoe Starks also suffers from the problem of having no charisma whatsoever, no authenticity. It seems like she's trying too hard to act, yet she manages not to emote at the same time. And I'm sorry, she's just not that attractive in an, in a looks-based business, especially in the women's division. So I, I, I agree with you. I think Io Shirai fits all of those uh, characteristics. <laughs> well, anyway, I think, <laughs> I think Io Shirai would give the main roster a much-needed boost. Anyway, so I think Toxic Attraction gets their first gold uh, this Tuesday night with tag team championships. A which, after this, after this uh, Halloween havoc, Toxic Attraction should have all the gold. Well, that's our next match. But uh, spoiler, I agree with you. I think Mandy Rose is defeating Raquel Gonzalez. 
Um, she may or may not also be going up to the main roster to give a, a shot in the arm there. But yeah, this whole thing has, I mean, this whole thing has to be toxic attraction being basically like the, the, the female undisputed era. Um, and I would be perfectly okay if they brought in someone as like, you know, their muscle, sort of like an enforcer type. Um, that, that's just their heater. Actually, that's probably where per, uh, Persia Parada would be good because she's sort of big and, and, um, not exactly, you know, smooth in the ring, but she she could be there. Mr. Hughes, Big Bubba Rogers, Lex Luger, while they learn the trade. But anyway, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm with you. I'm predicting that Toxic Attraction a sweep and and holds all the women's gold in NXT. Without a doubt, I I, I don't think there's anything else that needs to be said here. Does that take us to Ciampa versus Breaker? It sure does. By the way, do you hear anyone complaining about Braun Breaker's name anymore? Nope, not at you all. Just the... complaining about Omos's name anymore? No. Hmm. Yeah, me either. Strange. Um, Braun Breaker. I, I, th- I think I think this whole 2.0 thing is about 2.0, giving us new faces, new belts, new start. So, Braun Breaker. I think this is a, a, a good good enough time to change titles uh, and and give a new face to NXT. Everyone seems to there seems to be universal. Support for Braun Breaker um, beyond the the silly artificial complaining about his his name in the past. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're gonna have a new champion. I agree. I think this is this is the culmination of of the restart, or at least this first part of the the restart. And so you'll have new champions in toxic attraction plus new champions in Braun breaker. You see the commercials, you know, during raw, sometimes during AEW, and they highlight Mandy Rose, toxic attraction and Braun breaker. Like, come on, this is, this is a no brainer here. Like this is set up for these guys to, to carry the torch. I agree. I don't think WWE usually does their production packages for nothing. So yeah, uh, and and good on it. I mean, why not have a face like Mandy Rose's uh, be on top, and why not have a, a Steiner kid there to, to build it around? So yeah, I th- think this could be fun. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm all for it. You know what we didn't mention in all of the brouhaha was that Roman Reigns was actually slapping back, and I don't think we need to revisit the whole thing, and I don't really remember too many of his quotes, but... I agree with him 100%. I, I think everything that Roman said was accurate and certainly accurate from his viewpoint as being the top guy in the business and being the standard bearer for WWE. You want to call him a company man? Of course he's a company man. He should be a company man. He's the universal champion. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I had no issue with anything that Roman said. And, you know, basically he's like, you know, the, these are fleas upon my coat. I agree with everything that Roman Reigns said. He didn't speak out of turn with not any of it. I think um, even his statements about CM Punk were on the money. I love the idea. <laughs> I, it made me chuckle when he's like, I've, I haven't really had the time to see a full match. I've only seen, seen bits and pieces here, but you know, he seems rusty. Like the idea that Roman Reigns doesn't have a, enough time to watch a CM Punk match is hilarious to me. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, those those flights to Saudi Arabia are very short. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, I thought. Listen, we've said that I agree. CM Punk looked a little bit rusty, and 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 this is why he's wrestling down the card. I mean, this is why he he started with Darby, then he went to Will Hobbs, then he went to Daniel Garcia, then he went to Matt Seidel. He's gone all the way down the card so he can work these longer matches and get himself in the ring shape with people who are lighter and smaller and. You know, and then he can have his little 20-minute matches, which, I mean, I don't want to say. I guess there's people who do, but I'm not one of them. Um, you know, we forgot to mention something last week, and I don't know anything about it. But what the heck is going on with Top Dollar social media? I know that he had some sort of a issue with uh, the Young Bucks and shoes, and then this week it wasn't, it's like it wasn't blocking even... everyone because they don't like his rapping. What, what, what is happening? Okay, so this is what happened. So I was following this last week, and I found it very entertaining. He he did not call out the Young Bucks by name, but all he said was, you'd be, and I think this was like on a throwaway Thursday, and usually on Thursdays, it's dead. I think it was either Thursday or Friday. Usually it's like a dead period in wrestling social media because there's no dynamite on Wednesday. Yeah, that's what it was. Because of last Wednesday, there was no dynamite. It was Thursday was just dead. No, There wasn't anything to talk about. So Top Dalla, just out of nowhere, throws out a tweet saying, you'd be surprised at how many uh, wrestlers pretend to be, some of your favorite wrestlers pretend to be these sneaker heads, but they're actually wearing Converse, uh, Asics, you know, like, you know, down the line, not a prestigious footwear all right and I'm that's out. All he- I, I officially don't care anymore <laughs> well now i'm already telling the story jeff so now we, we've we've got to tell the rest of the story so no you can tell so, I, just, I just want the audience to know that i i'm done i i, I officially you don't, don't care what what, foot, about what footwear do you sneaker what envy foot, what footwear do you wear do you have any jordans jeff He's looking at his feet right now. If anybody needs to, know. yeah. Um, usually, I'm not wearing any shoes. To be honest, my my sneak. I think I have Puma. Oh, okay. That's that's pretty hip. Depending on what Pumas they are. I, I well, I'm sure they're not the hippest, but I mean, I I barely wear sneakers. I mean, usually I'm wearing Donald J. Pliner driving mocks. I mean, those are very comfortable. Uh, or flip flops. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Top. Top dollar uh, would would definitely not uh, not uh, co-sign on any of his footwear. No, I, I, I have a pretty good shoe collection. I have Allen Edmonds. I got oh, the dresser shoe. I got Bruno Mali. I got Gucci. You got, got dresser shoes. This is not this is not streetwear though, Jeff. Well, I it depends what streets you're on. I mean, you know. <laughs> so so getting back to this whole nonsense with top dollar. So that's all top dollar tweeted out. Then the Young Bucks decided to update Aragonimo, their bio. Kohan. <laughs> the Young Bucks updated their bio. And they pretty much said, um, we, spend more mo- we spent more money on sneakers in September than NXT earns in a month or something like that. Or in a year, I think. Something, some nonsense like that. Something douchey. So, so then everybody on Twitter said, oh, it's a Young Bucks versus Top Dollar uh, Twitter beef, which nobody nobody called each other out, and I don't even know why the Young Bucks decided to you know entertain this nonsense. What what did the Young Bucks weirdo dad have to say about it? That's all I care. <laughs> so then to retort the Young Bucks's tweet, Top Dollar decided to make cut a rap. So this was Friday again. 
another dead day on uh, social media. And so Top Dollar cut a rap against, uh, now this one was subliminally uh, toward the Young Bucks. Subliminal, shit. (laughs) Subliminally, there we go. There you go. So yeah, so this is uh, so the rap was pretty good. I, if if Top Dollar and I, I genuinely believe he did write it and 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 he performed it himself, seemed pretty well produced for like twenty four to forty eight hours after this Twitter beef. Um, I think you should check it out, Jeff. I think I, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna find it on Twitter. I'm gonna I'm gonna tag you I, on it. I absolutely definitely won't. I'm gonna tag you on it so that way you see it. Okay, great. Thank you. Now I know what to get you for Christmas. I'm going to get you some Air Force Ones or some some Jordan Ones. That seems like a great idea. Okay. So that's that. Way to divert. This took a lot of lot of time. But I'm, I thought I, you were going to get me Top Dollar's Greatest Hits. Hey, listen, that you would need to have some hits to uh, get a Greatest Hits. I'm but sure now that is. he's getting now that he's getting the singles push now, hey. It's not getting a single. Well, she's in a tag team. It's him and Swerve. Everybody, no, it's isn't Ashanti the no. The, what I read yesterday, I, again, full disclosure, I did not watch SmackDown again. I'm on vacation. Well, I but did. What I read, <laughs> so full on disclosure, it, it was a tag team match with <clears throat> Abdallah and Swerve as the team. Well, why is social media saying that the booking now is going to be Top Dollar as the singles and Swerve and Ashanti as the tag team? Because that's what it was looking like in NXT, but on the main roster, Top Dollar is the one who's six foot seven. So of course they're thinking he's going to get a push, but he's not ready for a singles push. Just like Commander Aziz isn't, just like um, almost isn't. So he's going to be in a tag team for a while. I'm sure at some point he will be. Of course they're looking to him to be the single star because he's huge the, the, the wwe when in doubt is always going to look to the to the huge guy um but he's with swerve because swerve is the best wrestler of the bunch so you know he does the cool moves they're a good team i mean you know they, i mean you know in in the past we've talked about you know sort of like you know uh you know lashley and ricochet or 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 braun Strowman and and ricochet sort of being like a power and glory kind of thing one big one small power moves uh, and high flying in one team. This this is could be the same kind of dynamic. So uh, you know, I don't know why people are griping about it. I mean, it's not like anybody really needs a singles push. Roman Reigns is going to be at the top of that heap for a while, and no one's knocking Brock off for a while. So why not the tag teams? The Usos. I mean, we know one thing for sure. They you know they can lose those titles and get them back, and they will. And they can lose those titles and be still be in the bloodline story and still be in in top stories, and they will. Um, so there's, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but of of course they're going to spend more time investing in, in a, in a giant guy. I mean, I'm sure they're pretty well aware that they brought up top dollar quickly and, and early, and I'm sure it's because they want to get some more youth in it. And I know that people criticize hit row for not having the greatest raps. Shut up. It's wrestling rap. It's not real rap. They're not going to Grammys. It's, it's, it's entertaining. And by the way, remember when Hit Row first came out and I said that their introduction was weird and it hit me either later in the show or a week later that they should have been doing it like rap. They should have been doing like like straight out of Compton or Rapper's Delight where they should have been introducing themselves to a rap 
And when they were speaking, it was almost like William Shatner doing beat poetry without the beat poetry. It sounded weird. Well, they redid that this time, but with rapping. And it seemed normal. They're introducing themselves by the rap song. That, that That's their gimmick. I don't care that you don't think the rap is good. Guess what? I don't think most rap is good. I think most rap sucks. I don't think there's been good rap since since uh, doggy style. Um, so shut up, all you dummies. Oh, by the way, I, I, I is Little Nas the guy that's on the with the Elton John commercials for Uber Eats? Yes, that's Little Nas X. So people needed to be told he's gay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I, right. I'm not part of that part of Twitter. I don't go down that that corridor. I mean, I cannot believe that anybody needed to be told that. I mean, no, whatever. There's no mystery there. And, you know, God bless him. Um, anyway, enough about. So obviously, I don't care about, you know, I don't really care about current music, period. Um, but, you know, I, I look back fondly at Kurt Henning doing rap as crap. So we're um, learning so much about you in this episode. You don't have uh, uh, what uh, many would consider hip streetwear on your feet, and um, you don't like rap. No. I mean, if I have $400 extra to spend, or $40,000 extra to spend, it ain't going to be on sneakers. That's just dumb. Uh-oh. Uh are you calling out the Young Bucks? Now they're going to... I am. You. I am absolutely calling out the Young Bucks. <laughs> and their weirdo dad. Come at me, all three of you. That's the Twitter beef I want to see is you and, and the young Twitter beef. Uh, dad. I don't want Twitter. I want, I want real life beef. I, 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 <laughs> if, if only I could get Steven Seagal to be on my side so that, so that the young bucks are confused as to who their real dad is. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know why I find this so funny. Because it's funny. Um, because it's funny, you're right. Well, I have a lot more time on my hands because uh, I, you know, because La Sicario and Juventud Sicario are back, and and Lanny Poffo is still in Ecuador showing pictures of him and and uh, his either his granddaughter or his new lady friend, and he keeps talking. He doesn't give her name, but she has an American visa, so <laughs> so uh, I'm looking forward to double dates slash swinging when they're uh, in the country. <laughs> Oh my god, I can't believe that we actually know this much information about Lenny Papa. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna say nice to meet you, American Visa. <laughs> oh my god, I need to compose myself. <laughs> you do I mean, you know, the problem with being in Colombia is that every meal is seasoned with cocaine. So you're always gonna be happy. <laughs> Like this, so. that's, what, that's why your jokes are, are hitting extra strong today. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's just helps. My, while you're composing yourself, I want to give my QAcon conspiracy is that Tony Khan actually is a genius and he's doing all this stupid stuff on social media to protect Cody because Cody's been making a complete ass of himself. Oh, so he's putting himself, he's trying to put himself under the bus to save Cody. Yes. He, he's he's protect yeah he's protecting Cody by making himself the center of attention. But I don't think it's working because <laughs> all the AEW fans double down on whatever Tony says. He's well, not making like, himself to heal. Like a lot of QAcon conspiracy theories, they are essentially flawed. Oh, got you. All righty. How can we get uh, Facebook to start pushing our QAcon narratives? I don't know. Maybe we should 
post things on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should get listeners. I don't know. Then they, they should help. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, let's see. What else are we gonna let's talk about crowd jewel well, reaction? Our friends Tamara and Caden started their podcast. They gave me a shout out. We should give them a, a shout out. I I think it's called what's it called? The the ten count, I think, is is there and it's a live stream podcast. Uh, I don't so know. Again, I, I apologize. I would I would definitely support them. The problem is I've been off social media since I've been in Colombia. So I have my great. apologies to Tamara and Caden. Yeah, two of our former castmates from uh, Unpopular Review. I'm also a former castmate, but uh, you know, Caden and Tamara left about two weeks before uh, I was fired. Um, but, uh, <laughs> right. yeah, it, it, you were fired it, it, from a volunteer job. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't fired, Jeff. Stop. If anyone can do it, I can do it. Uh, it's a mutual, it was a mutual parting of the ways. Is that what it was? Oh, okay. I, that's, um, that's the way I reco- recollect it. Nevertheless, mm, go ahead. Nevertheless, lesser than ever. Yeah, it was, a, it was. it's a nice little show. And for those of you who think that, they, that we are too sour in AEW, they are very sweet on AEW. So uh, if you want to hear all sugar and spice, uh, well, no, I, fairly fair criticism, but from a positive perspective you should check out the 10 count listen to our friends tamara and Caden, and, and they are both young i mean together their aggregate age is younger than me and i think only older than steve by one year we this is terrible i know but not one not not one year today since it's my birthday now it's right well what, what are they 23 and 18 <laughs> i think so maybe so they, it's like the same age it's the same age as you now uh, there you go. Still Alrighty. much, much younger than me. Much more. And as they say here in Colombia, muy guapo. Mijo, muy guapo. <laughs> ah, que lindo, que lindo. <laughs> Let's talk about Crown Jewel reactions. Um, what were your thoughts on the show? Yeah, Crown Jewel was a good show. Um, you know, I, a lot of people were saying that it was a great show, excellent show. Um, I think that's a little bit hyperbolic, but it was a good show. It had a good build. Uh, the matches were good. Most of them were pretty short. Uh, the the longest matches were in the beginning and towards the end. In the middle, most of the matches were pretty short. Um, there was a pre-show match with the Usos and the Hurt Business, which was for no other reason except to let us in the audience know that the Usos and the Hurt Business were both there, um, just like they did when the Miz won that um, that Battle Royal in that pre-show so that we knew he was there to possibly cash in. Um, I famously am not interested in Seth Rollins. I'm not a big edge guy. I respect his body of work. I respect his comeback, but he's given us nothing other than long, long, long matches with the Orton shit and Seth Rollins. So I was really sick of both of them, but this match was good. It was, it was delivered a hell in the cell. It felt like a gritty hell in the cell. There was, there was, uh, unintentional blood, you know, on, on both their bodies. Um, it was long, but it wasn't too long. And Edge came out on top, which is where we were supposed to be. I, I think when we did our predictions, we got all of these right, except for the the, the matchups that were not uh, certain at the time. Like, like I mean, like I remember you asked me, is there any chance Zelina Vega wins Queen of the Ring? And I said, no, she's the only one who has no chance. So, of course, she won. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, I think we got everything else right. And then I think that actually the way I booked the main event, the Brock Roman Reigns match, was actually darn close to how it turned out. 
Agreed. I, I think that the card top to bottom, as we went through the predictions last week, I was just surprised at the fact that it was such a good card, a pretty good build uh, for WWE. You know, usually they hot shot some matches, um, but this looked really good and really well put together. And then you had really good wrestling. This I was into versus- it. A lot of kids, a lot of kids wearing NWO and Hulkamania shirts. They look, crowd looked genuinely happy. They chanted in English. Uh, they they did the "You deserve it." The, the, they did Suplex City. I mean, it, it it was fun. It was great. I mean, say what you want about the government of Saudi Arabia, and I don't want to get into all the politics and economics and geopolitical stuff. But the, the you know the, the the people are the people. Um, so, and and they had a good time. So it was a a lot of good energy. I agree with you, Jeff, and I think that that also made it really like a, a to feel like a big special uh, show. Like the crowd, especially coming out of this pandemic, to see them this hot. I mean, definitely better than rest, half half full WrestleMania at Raymond James. Definitely hotter than SummerSlam. So, um, I I think that uh, it was a really good show, and I think that. You know, the, I was really blown away by Seth Rollins and Edge. I thought, you know, what a gift it is to, you know, I know you're not um, all that jazzed about it, but to me it was, it's a real gift that Edge can come back and have these matches with, with Seth Rollins. And not only that, but you've heard wrestlers say how hard it is to wrestle a regular match in Saudi Arabia because of just the the heat and the dryness. and for them to put that match together, a hell in the cell match already brutal in and of itself. And then have that in Saudi Arabia was just amazing. So um, I look forward to hearing the stories of, of the, the match from Seth and, and I hope there's a 24 seven documentary on it to come, but um, yeah, really good. Even the women's match, I was surprised by the outcome. Obviously that led to a, um, you mean the championship sw- match, not the Queen of the Ring match, which was oh, not- correct, correct. Sorry, the women's t- the women's championship match for the SmackDown title. Um, you know, I thought after B- Bianca Belair lost on Raw, and I thought it was a good match. Shitty ending. They fucked up the ending. I don't know if that was just an audible called at the end, but to to just fuck it up with a with a, with a DQ was just dumb. If you weren't going to follow it up on Crown Jewel, I thought okay. Followed up, I could eat it if you're going to give the belt to to Bianca on 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 Crown Jewel. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, but hell, Becky winning didn't make sense. But it led to that uh, title swap nonsense on SmackDown. And I want to just quickly talk to you about this because you know there are things that are being said on social media about reports about Becky and Charlotte having genuine heat with one another after that segment. Charlotte went into the SmackDown segment. If you haven't watched SmackDown, there's a title exchange ceremony at the end of the show. And apparently when it comes time to the swap the title, Charlotte throws her title at Becky or throws it on the floor. Sonia asks her to give it back to her, pick it up and give it to her, hand it to her. And then Becky does the same thing, tosses it on the floor. I'm not a big fan of the idea of them tossing two, what are supposed to be two of the most prestigious titles in women's professional wrestling period i know it's sports entertainment but it is when you when you have charlotte and becky as your flag bearers for for a women's title that that's professional wrestling to me in my opinion yeah so for you for them to just 
whatever if it was booked to be them tossing the titles, that that's fucked up. I think it's nonsense. I don't know if that was Charlotte's beef. Charlotte's beef apparently was reported by Fightful that she didn't like the way she was being booked in this segment because it made her look weak. And um, that, I guess, bled through into some of the uh, things that happened on air. I guess tossing the titles was not what it was supposed to be, but it ended up uh, devolving into that. Um, And then after the show goes off the air, Charlotte and Becky apparently had words behind the scenes. Now, Jeff, we were talking uh, in pre-show You've got some certain ideas on on this. What are your thoughts on all of it? All right. Well, firstly, my, my ideas are not fully formed. They're, they're more like knee-jerk ideas. But, I mean, I think the whole thing was lazy. I think the title exchange is lazy. People were saying, I think there's going to be a swerve. And, and, I, and I think I said to that person, I would love to think there's a swerve, but never bet against lazy with, with WWE. And that's what we got. I could see if the title throwing down was considered disrespectful. I don't know that Charlotte looked any weaker than anyone else. The, the whole thing was dumb. I mean, so I agree with you on the DQ. I mean, that that the title should have been changed before this. The, these, these title swaps are dopey, but the heat backstage, I, I think it's... I think it's just part of a video segment that they want to put in there and make it look real just to sort of further this to sort of lead to, you know, Survivor Series heat. I, I don't think it's real. But even if it is real, it's stupid. The whole thing's stupid. And th- this is this is WWE. They have the technology to give Sonya Deville, who I love that she's being the heel uh, um, authority figure, uh, disparaging Adam Pierce again publicly, which we'll circle back to that. But why they couldn't give her a headset microphone, I don't know. So she had two hands so she could hold two belts at the same time. And she could be the, the, the swap. She could be the escrow agent. They, they, she had to hold a goddamn microphone in her hand. So she only had one hand at, at a time. The whole thing looked awkward. Or as an official, why couldn't she bring in two security guards or two other people to hold it and, and exchange? Right, or have, an, or have a referee there. Why not have Jessica Carr there? Exactly. I mean, a, a hundred other things that, that could have been done. The whole thing was awkward and dopey, and it was obviously just to, you know, p- you know, pivot uh, Sasha right back into the into the title mix against Charlotte for um, SmackDown, and you know, Becky after teasing the Becky two belts thing and talking about it, just walked out and and left. Uh, the whole thing was awkward and weird. It was a, it was a weird final 10 minutes of what was otherwise a pretty good SmackDown show, despite Baron Corbin being on the show and winning a match. Very good. Very good. Before we wrap up, I mean, I know we were, we bled into SmackDown uh, because of this women's uh, thing. Going back to crown jewel for a second with the pomp and circumstance that, that is uh, added to crown jewel being you know in saudi arabia and it looks like crown jewel is an annual event now and it looks like it's a it's booked the last several times to be a really big show is it safe to say now jeff that crown jewel has made its way into one of wwe's top pay-per-views everybody used to say it's the top four right the original four wrestlemania SummerSlam, survivor series royal rumble can we add Crown Jewel to that conversation to make it a top five? 
Well, I think one, we have to stop using terms like pay-per-view because there really is no pay-per-view anymore in the WWE model. Um, and Crown Jewel, I'm not sure if it's once a year or if it's supposed to be twice a year. I think they get about 45 to 50 million a show, and I think it's $100 million a year. So I think it's two a year. Now, whether that's correct or not, we'll obviously we'll find out in due course when we I, have. I think the, there year. is another show, but I forget the other show is named something else. It's not Crown Jewel. Possibly. Uh, my point being is that now that the WWE is carried so much on Peacock, uh, on Comcast, and on Sky in Europe, I'm not sure where it is in Saudi Arabia. I don't know if it's still a pay-per-view there or if it's carried on a network there. I, but I'm guessing these are, I'm going to call them more like network events. And the draw has to be to attract people to watch on Peacock. So NBC Universal gets a return on its investment, gets that live broadcasting. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing Crown Jewel spill over into two-day events um, as well, just just to make Universal happy. I know everyone's going to say, oh, they're just appeasing the, the, the Crown Prince and blood money and all that other, other stupid shit. But uh, I think it's going to be more for NBC Universal to get people to tune into an event on on that on their streaming service. So I think that maybe yes, because it is truly international, which is why I think that, that we're starting to hear WWE talking about doing some of the bigger shows in the UK again, because it doesn't matter about pay per views anymore. The the costs of the production don't matter as long as they make uh, NBC Universal happy. And make Peacock happy, and if they can, you know, you know, and, and in this case, Sky, which is also owned by uh, Comcast Universal. So if it's in Britain, you know that that makes Europe happy, and then they'll get more European viewers, and then Peacock maybe gets more European uh, viewers going forward. So, yeah, I, I think these international shows are going to become more important, and we're going to see better builds, and that's good because these once one once a month pay per views are terrible. I mean, they're killer. It's it's so much time. I mean. Just in doing the recap shows and listening to the recap shows and and all these hot shotted, you know, matches at angles and the way WWE is obsessed with rematch after rematch after rematch, it's you know we're still seeing the same feuds for months and months and months. I mean, like I said, Omos and AJ have been um, feuding with the RK Bros for like seven months now, and however entertaining you may find them, it, you know, it, it's irritating to see the same people dancing all the time. So, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, there's a pretty good chance Crown Jewel will become, you know, number five. But in my book, I mean, Money in the Bank is is a big one as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, uh, you know, I think they should get rid of the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view because it's a gimmick. It's not it's it's not a theme for a show. But but to answer your question, yes. <laughs> That's a long way to get to yes. But I, I appreciate uh, your your detailed analysis. It's a gift. It is a gift. All right, Jeff. I think that's it, man. I think we've covered everything for now. Again, we said we were going to wrap up a little earlier than usual. And hold uh, on and a second, you. First of all, we didn't do news. Second of all, we didn't say this was Goldberg's best match in Saudi Arabia, which it was. Uh, but if we want to wrap things up quickly, there were no title changes in Saudi Arabia. Uh, also, everyone's talking about the women and the t-shirts. The reason they're wearing the t-shirts is because they they can't be shapely. It's not just showing skin. They can't be shapely and. Uh, so the T-shirts were a compromise to not wearing burkas in, in the ring. Um, Zelina Vegas, your queen of the ring. Xavier Woods is your king of the ring. Exciting stuff. 
Um, Were you shocked by Xavier Woods? I mean, you we both no. picked Finn Balor to win. I didn't pick Finn Balor to win. Oh, no? No, I, I'm pretty sure I picked Xavier Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely didn't pick Zelina Vega, though. But I think every other match we got right. So um, I love the Lesnar-Roman Reigns thing. I loved how Paul Heyman threw the belt right in the middle there. Um, I, I just thought that I, I just thought the whole thing was fun, though. We have to talk about how Brock Lesnar, you know, sort of jumped over Roman Reigns in the corner and then remembered who was supposed to fall down and then just collapsed like a, a flare flop. <laughs> that, was, uh, uh, that was sort of an awkward uh, botch, I'll call it. But uh, aside from that, I thought that, that match told a great story and and Brock looked great. And I don't care what anyone says, Brock is still the biggest star in wrestling, even though right now it may look like Roman. But, but you know, if you want to call it 1A, 1B, I'm fine with that. Um, and I and I just pray that, that, that Lashley, they, they do something with him to get him back up to that status he had a couple months ago, and they're just not done with him. Um, all right, some news. Enzo joining MLW. ACH, who announced his retirement about four months ago, is now unretired again. So him and Leo Rush, their contest of retiring and unretiring continues. Buddy Matthews, looks like he's signed by New Japan Strong. I know everyone's talking about they signed by New Japan. I, I, you know, New Japan Strong is an affiliate, but New Japan Strong is a California corporation. New Japan Pro Wrestling is a Japanese corporation. They definitely are affiliated and related, and they do some talent exchanges, but... It's not the same show. It's not the same product. So don't assume that it will be. Don't assume that it's not. I'm just saying it, it, we're, you're not necessarily going to see Buddy Matthews in the G1 or, or things like that. Uh, we also don't know if it's a long-term contract. There's been plenty of people who appeared on New Japan Strong um, who sort of – Leo Rush, notably, who a few months later appeared other places and signed other contracts. So – We'll see, but he is someone who needed a work visa. Maybe they um, uh, supplied one, so you know uh, there may be more of a commitment there. So good and for Jeff. Him. Just 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 for everybody's uh, fr- for frame of reference, Buddy Matthews is AK on a formerly known as Buddy Murphy. Murphy thank you. Right. Uh, King Muertes won the Caribbean Championship uh, from the IWA and MLW. He won it from. Richard Holiday uh, of uh, one of the remaining dynasty members um, to the extent that there is dynasty still and Mr. And Mrs. were renewed for a third season on USA. One of the top shows there um, as they should. It's a great show. I watch it. Um, I, I watch it when I can. Very entertaining stuff. Terrific. I've never seen it. The PWI announced their top 150 women Around five of the of the top ten were people I've never heard of that are apparently with stardom, which is absurd. Uh, Charlotte Flair was not in there, which is absurd. Um, Maybe that's why Charlotte was upset. With, she, with... I mean, I get you know Becky wasn't around, uh, Bailey wasn't around, Oscar wasn't around. I, I you know I I get all that, but to not put Charlotte there, who I mean, it's it's just dumb. Uh, it, it just it's really, really stupid. I, I mean, I, you know, you know, th- to put the impact when I know Deanna Perrazzo's had a good year and she's a good technical wrestler and, and she's sort of a different style for a, a female wrestler, but she's on impact. No, nobody watches impact. Uh, you know, it's, 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 do you, well, that, that's a good point. Do you think that winning two titles, world titles, 
is more prestigious than winning the women's WWE title. No, because I mean, because <laughs> you can't even think about it. I mean, AAA doesn't even air in the U.S. and Impact last week did eighty nine thousand viewers. So I you're mean, saying this is a case of quality over quantity? Yes. Tonight, Bound for Glory is on. Bound for Glory is one of their big pay-per-views. Nobody's going to be watching it. The, 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 the numbers will not be reported. This will be something that in four or five weeks we'll be asking, where are the numbers, where are the numbers? They will not be reported, just like Empower, just like 19 of the last 20 Impact pay-per-views, just like the Ring of Honor pay-per-views. They, they won't be reported because it's going to be under 10,000. It's probably going to be under 2,500 people who, who buy it. It, so no, but you know what? If you want to put Diana Perazzo on there, that's fine. I, I'm not. I don't want to make a big stink about that. But to have five women from Stardom on there that that like 17 people in the USC. I mean, I understand that Pro Wrestling Illustrated pretends not to be a US publication, but it's a North American publication and mostly from the Rio Grande North, um, Rio Grande to the Arctic Circle. That, I mean, that's its main audience. Um, it's an English language periodical. Anyway, it it. it, it it's just dumb. I mean, I would have put Jade in there. I know that she's not the greatest wrestler, but as far as an impact on women's wrestling, she's notable. She's she's in the top three notable women in AEW. Britt Baker's not the greatest wrestler, but she's she's one of the greatest personalities in wrestling. Definitely deserves to be there. Thunder Rosa deserves to be there. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, I just think any top ten list that doesn't, Charlotte Flair at least is at number two is flawed. Well, a lot of people share your sentiment on uh, social media. A lot of people have been saying the same thing. What else well, we got? Uh, ratings. We talked about a bunch of them during the course of the show. Dynamite last week on Saturday did 727. We'll know about this week, you know, Monday. Um, Dark Side of the Ring on the Luna Vashan episode did 135,000. By the way, the Luna Vashon episode, I didn't think it was anything particularly special. And, and you know, that one, the Johnny Canine one, the Chris Canyon one, they all sort of feel like the same show. Uh, you know, sort of running out of interesting stories. Um, MLW. Listen, this might be that I was wrong. It may be something that plans change. But I could have sworn that they were going to be on TV for good. That that fight land, that big Fatu Hammerstone match where Hammerstone unified the belts was the start of a weekly episodic show on Vice TV um, and that they were, in fact, going to get a second show uh, dedicated to Azteca Underground. Apparently, I'm wrong, or I was premature, or plans changed, or whatever, but we reported that the first episode did 40,000. There have been five other episodes on YouTube. I had no idea, so I'm just going to give you them you know, and and remember that it's the, it's the aggregate from when they aired. So the most recent episode on YouTube, forty five thousand. The week before, fifty one thousand. Uh, three weeks ago, or two weeks ago, really seventy nine thousand. Uh, three weeks ago, seventy nine thousand. Yes, that's two seventy nine thousands in a row where they didn't grow. Uh, and then the week prior was one hundred thirteen thousand. Raw. Another disappointing week, 1.593,000, and NXT also plummeted down to 606,000. So that dis the, the good show didn't really lead to bigger audiences, uh, or the discombobulated show lost audiences. I haven't seen the quarters to see where they lost people, whatever. 
Dark, last three weeks, 266, 231, 391. So Dark seems to be losing steam again. Elevation, 224, 416, 328. So Elevation definitely losing steam. So, again, I think that wrestling overdose, uh, overexposure scene, trend seems to be continuing. So looking forward to seeing the ratings for last night and, and uh, checking out what happens with Dynamite this week. But, yeah, I think we got everything in a little bit shorter than normal. Enjoy your time in Colombia. Don't kill too many people. Don't do too much Coke and bananas and yogurt. Um, online, do as much as you want. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, what, what are your what are your birthday plans? You have any big celebration plans? You have to, you know. No, my family here they they threw a big birthday party already earlier this week when I arrived, first arrived. Like it was really fun. We like dance. Is the video? Is the video? Drink. There is video, but did I, they buy you a new car slash slash llama? No, a lot of people use motorcycles here to get around. It's very interesting. You, you mean alpacas? No. Like <laughs> vicuna? I don't know. Tapirs? No. No. Okay. Anyways, this is episode fifty-four of the Hammerlock Hangover. Thanks for listening, everybody. Much appreciated. Um, Jeff, are you, are you going to try and hook up with Lanny Poffa while you're there? No, absolutely not. It's ridiculous. That I, that, I leave that up to you. Okay. What, what were you saying before I rudely interrupted you? <laughs> I was trying to wrap up. Any final plugs? Check out Garden of Doom. It rocks. Very cool show. Not wrestling related at all. Last week we had See the Superior and Vampires. And I've been dropping bonus episodes from the past with a Halloween theme. So a couple weeks ago, the history of Halloween. And we went into Lovecraft uh, Craft Country and a few other spooky shows. Um, and uh, this week I dropped a show that me and Kevin Castle did uh, about 10 months ago. Uh, talking about old school horror films and bringing it up to, to the current, some of our uh, fun monster and horror film memories. So uh, check that out along with the new stuff. This week I'm going to have a guy named Reverend Jim Willis, uh, who is not your typical reverend. So uh, you'll want to check out that show as well. Very good. And if you have any comments, questions, um, feedback for us you can reach us at hammerlockhangover at gmail.com that's hammerlockhangover at gmail.com you can also find us on our instagram at hammerlockho on twitter and we have a hammerlock hangover facebook page that you can join us on as well guys thanks for uh, oh wait we have to thank some people we have to thank the wrestling soup network we've got to thank the pro wrestling coalition and we have to thank at Mark Media, which you formerly knew as Hitting the Marks, but it's now At Mark Media. So if you've been following us on Hitting the Marks, look for At Mark Media as well as all their other shows. So uh, thanks to thanks to those guys. Shout out to Jargo and, and crew. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And yeah, check those networks out. And that's it, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And we much appreciate uh, the listen. And please share and you know, leave a review. If you like what uh, our banter and our jokes and, and our wit, please feel free to leave five stars and uh, a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Maybe right, if you like it. our wrestling inside also. I mean, that, that, that might be some reason to watch, listen to the show. Oh, oh that too. Our unique uh, wrestling insight. Like, you know, you, uh, uh, you know, Loving Eeyore Shirai and uh, me hating on AEW. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
there you, you go. go. All right, guys. Thanks so much and have a great one. Stay with my friends. And if you liked what you saw, tell your friends, tell your family, tweet about it. And if you didn't like it, shut the fuck up. <laughs>